0: Equip Performance Professionals, young professionals in the sports performance field sharing their stories and advice. Stay tuned to find out how their journey has equipped them to succeed, as well as the tips and advice they would give for the new professionals looking to get into the field. Welcome to Equip Performance Professionals. This is your host, Ashley Muschiati. I'm joined today by Mackenzie Bowman. Mackenzie is a registered dietitian and certified nutrition support clinician and she's a graduate assistant at Virginia Tech. Mackenzie, thank you for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ashley, I'm happy to be here. Perfect, so first of all, how do you like Virginia Tech? How are you enjoying your time there?
1: I absolutely love it. Um, It was the perfect place for me to kind of just get my start in sports nutrition. Virginia Tech's whole big thing is this is home, and as cheesy as that sounds, it really is the truth from the second that I got there. You know, everyone is so nice, so friendly, um, and it really just feels like such a great fit for me.
0: That's great. So what drew you to nutrition? So how did you know you wanted to work with athletes in general too?
1: So I actually have a kind of funny story. I started out as an engineering major Um, In high school, I kind of had no idea what I wanted to major in, you know, I was good at math, I was good at science, and my sister was like, oh, why don't you just do engineering? So that's how I started out, Um, but my first semester, I kind of quickly realized that that wasn't really the right path for me. I was not the type of person who wants to sit behind a desk all day. I am a people person. I love to talk. I love to help people. Um so my freshman year English class I actually wrote my research paper on eating disorders and I found myself way more interested in that than all the rest of my other homework. Um so I kind of realized that I needed to make a change and at that point I had never heard of dietetics. Um so this is back gosh 2011. Um so you know, not super well known of field. So um, I did a little bit of research, I talked to some advisors, my sister and um, ended up deciding to major in dietetics, and then minor in psychology, because I figured, you know, if I had that interest in eating disorders, I thought that the psychology background would kind of help a little bit. Um, I've always been a big foodie. And I grew up you know, big in sports. I not only played sports my whole life, um, but also a huge sports fan, especially Philadelphia. So I grew up going to games and everything. So once I kind of realized that I could build a life around two things that I loved, you know, there was no looking back. So I didn't really see myself in any other roles in the sports world. But once I kind of discovered dietetics, I realized that that was just a great fit for me.
0: Perfect. So Fun fact for all of our listeners: Mackenzie and I go back to high school. So when she says she's big into sports, we were both throwers (laughs) together. Had great Mm -hmm. practices, so that's just a little fun fact for all of our (laughs) listeners.
1: Great, but they were fun.
0: We definitely had some fun times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I forget that I did track. I was a (laughs) volleyball player, so the the track was a a last minute decision for me. Senior year of high school, decided to have a little fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I found a picture from my freshman year. So I guess I think you were a senior that year. Mm-hmm. I had the ponytail on the side of the head, complete throwback. <laughs> we both have the shot puts in our hands, pose, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is a <laughs> <an awful> picture."
1: <laughs> that should be the icon for this podcast. Oh,
0: <laughs> it might need to be. <laughs> <laughs> so explain your journey to our listeners from when you decide you wanted to do dietetics. To where you are now in your position as a GA?
1: So, again, I've kind of had a, a very different experience than most people. So, um, I am a graduate assistant right now. I actually graduated my undergrad in 2015. So, I am a bit older than most graduate assistants typically. Um, but, you know, I find that that kind of works to my advantage here, definitely after i finished undergrad i applied all over for internships was willing to go wherever um, but i ended up getting matched with airmark which was actually my first choice and i ended up in arlington virginia so right outside of dc um my internship was definitely very heavy and clinical uh, but i was able to do a month of sports nutrition at notre dame so that's kind of where i got my first little taste of sports nutrition i had known undergrad that i wanted to get into sports eventually Um, And I was kind of reaching out to people, you know, I reached out to the Phillies dietitian, the Flyers dietitian, I tried to get, you know, any sort of experience that I could, because um, unfortunately, University of Delaware didn't have a dietitian yet when I was there. So I didn't have the opportunity to do it right at the school where I got my undergrad. Um, So as soon as I heard about the month at Notre Dame, I was like, wow, I have to do that. Um, When they told us about it at my internship orientation, I actually was late that day because my train To Philly got like derailed so I was late missed the info session on it but my friends knew that I was like the sports girl and wanted to work in sports so I get there and they're like oh my gosh Mackenzie like you just missed this but this is an opportunity they're only gonna let six of us go and my internship class was like 100 people they're like they're only gonna let six of us go so you know you definitely have to apply and I'm like immediately (laughs) sending emails you know Trying to make sure that they knew that I was super interested in it, so I got really lucky and uh, I got to go with two other girls um, in like January, February during my internship year. So it was very cold, um, but it was a great experience because Notre Dame was one of the schools who had three sports dietitians at that time. So they were pretty ahead of the game for wow. you know 2015, 2016. Uh, so I was able to do you know. 12, 13-hour days there as an intern, get a lot of experience with football, basketball, you know, a couple other teams. Um, But that's where I realized that I knew I wanted to get into sports eventually. But I will say during that month, I kind of felt like I was a little bit too close in age to some of the athletes. Um, definitely a little bit of a struggle. Obviously, you want to have good relationships with them, but there's boundaries and lines that you kind of have to set with athletes, and it can be hard at you know 23 years old to turn around and go work with 21 and 22 year olds, you know. So I felt a little bit um, weird about that, and I did always like clinical as well. So I decided to start out in clinical, um, knowing that I would want to get back into sports eventually. So I started out at a small community hospital. In Delaware. And then I moved to Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Um, and I worked there for actually two years on an oncology unit, a liver transplant unit and a psych unit. So I got a wide variety of experience. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I did that just because I, I learned a lot. And I think that that kind of helps develop my professional skills, my working skills, you know, um, just a lot of different things that I have carried over into being a sports dietitian now. So Um, My transition to Virginia Tech last summer, um, last spring, last summer, I guess I would say, I started really looking into sports positions. I was kind of over being in clinical, was ready for that change, ready to get into the job that I knew I really wanted to do. So I started applying to um, some graduate assistantships. And I am not gonna lie, I got pretty discouraged. You know, they want people who have a lot of experience. And I didn't have a ton of sports experience. I had you know, clinical experience at one of the best hospitals in the country. But so, you know, that's not necessarily what people are looking for in sports, even though it looks great in the clinical world. And I'm so glad I have it on my resume. You know, it's not necessarily um, what's going to get you into sports. I was definitely getting discouraged. I'm glad that I just kind of kept applying and kept trying. And honestly, I'm so glad that I did get rejected from other places. Because, everything that happened, you know, got me here. I'm very much a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And my reason was for me to get to Virginia Tech, which fun fact, I actually almost went here for undergrad. So got my undergrad at UD and now I'm getting my master's at Tech. So it all worked out.
0: Perfect. Yeah. All comes one full circle. Can you give some advice for the young professionals that are facing rejection? How did you deal with that rejection?
1: So honestly, I am the type of person to kind of bottle things up sometimes. (laughs) So I would go into my room and watch Netflix and just kind of be sad. But then, you know, when it came came to um, getting back out there, I would just talk to friends and mentors and, you know, coworkers and And they would just kind of explain to me, you know, again, along the same lines of like everything does happen for a reason and you're going to get where you meant to be, where you're meant to be. You know, if you were really meant to be there then you would have gotten it. Um, It's so important that you just never give up because even though it's really hard and can be really frustrating, um, you know, when you give up on yourself, that's the worst thing that you can do. Um, Sorry.
0: (laughs) No, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Because a lot of people, I mean, this field is a field that you're going to face a lot of rejection in. Yeah. There's only so many positions and so many openings that, Mm -hmm. and everyone's applying for the same thing. So that was perfect.
1: Right. And you have to just kind of stand out. You know, that's a huge thing too. Like anything that you can do that's going to make you stand out is going to give you that upper hand.
0: Exactly. So many of our listeners may not know what the dietetic internship is. You hear internship and you think, just like strength and conditioning internship, you come in, you work for free, you leave. Can you kind of just give our listeners a little bit more information about what the dietetic internship is and how it plays a role in becoming a dietitian?
1: Yeah, so um, the internship is very different from what people expect. So for starters, when you apply for it, you don't just apply and you know, hear back that you got accepted into five different programs, um, what they do is actually a matching system. So you rank programs that you apply to in terms of which one is your top choice, second choice, et cetera. You can apply to however many you want. Um, I think I applied to five. I know some people who have applied to 20 and some people who only apply to one. You know, There's a, a big range there. So once you apply and you rank your programs, your, the programs also rank you. So some of them will do uh, in-person interviews, some of them will do like a pre-recorded interview, some of them don't do interviews at all. Um, So it kind of varies a little bit there. But then once you rank them and they rank you, we have match day. So it just kind of looks and sees who paired who where on their list. Um, And then you either get matched or you don't get matched to an internship. So Fortunately for me, I matched my first choice. So I don't, I can't say, you know, what it feels like to not get matched, but I do know people, I have friends who didn't get matched and I know it sucks. um, And it's hard and it's frustrating because you then have to wait, you know, a whole nother year before you can apply for an internship again. So it's, it can be tough and it is, you know, very competitive. So that's where getting that experience undergrad is really important. And then once you get matched to your internship, you have to do, Twelve hundred hours of supervised practice as an intern. So not only is this unpaid, where you're giving all of these hours, um, and you know, twelve hundred is a minimum, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, we some actually, programs are a
0: lot more.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So well, not only unpaid, we actually pay to work. So we are paying to get this experience, um, and then taking classes and having miscellaneous projects and things like that. Um, You know, when I was at Notre Dame, I know I kind of mentioned 12, 13 hour days, that was a normal thing, you know, and some people maybe wouldn't want to do that unpaid, but that's what you have to do. That's the business, you know, that's how you kind of get those hours in things that you need to do. Um, So there's a set curriculum typically that each program will have and their specific competencies um, that we need to kind of hit just for dietetics in general. And then that's typically about, I would say six to 12 months um, varying in length depending on your program. And then once you finish the internship, you sit for the registered dietitian exam, which thankfully you do only have to take once, which is good as long as you um, then keep up with your continued education.
0: Yeah, I, I compare it a lot to like nursing school or like mm-hmm. residency for doctors. Exactly. And yeah, so, so that's lot- kind of
1: like our, our clinicals. Like
0: per- yeah, exactly. So yeah. did you guys have different domains you guys had to do? So for example, mine is food service, community, clinical, and then I have 80 hours. So like 10 days of what I want to choose. So did you right. guys have something like that to the four domains?
1: We did. So um, mine was clinical heavy. So it was clinical, um, food service, and management were together community was actually where I did my sports nutrition experience. So okay. instead of community, I went to Notre Dame and did that. Um, and then I did have a little bit of kind of elective at the end where I really just split that between doing outpatient since I had didn't get a chance to do that during my uh, community and then a little bit more clinical in like the ICU.
0: Okay. Yeah. So for everyone listening, we don't just focus on sports. It's interesting to think that every sports dietitian also knows how to do tube feedings. So (laughs) remember that next time you talk to your dietitian. Um, (laughs) So since it contains multiple parts and you had to go through all that and you had some background in clinical, how do you think going through all of those different parts of nutrition makes you a better sports dietitian?
1: So the thing about sports is that is probably one of the only fields of dietetics where you genuinely use stuff from each of your rotations. So even though there's, there's not a sports rotation that's mandatory by any means, and some people don't even get it offered as an elective, I mean, we see diabetics. We see eating disorder patients, people with high blood pressure, people with deficiencies, people who are undergoing surgery. So all that clinical stuff that we learned, we have to put into practice every day with those types of athletes. And then, you know, we have the counseling, the outpatient, the more community style things. We do cooking classes. We do grocery store tours. We sit and talk with our athletes and do team educations, you know, So really, kind of bringing together those components, and then the food service side of things. Obviously, you know, sometimes we're back in the fueling station, packing stuff up, ordering meals. Sometimes even serving meals, depending on the (laughs) time. You know, we don't always have students around to make smoothies for us. So um, you know, we really do utilize each of those domains as sports dietitians, which I think is awesome, and I think it's part of why I like it so much because no two days are the same. You know, there's never any sort of monotony. Like you're doing different things all the time, nonstop running around, which is is great. I love it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we talk a lot in dietetics about like interdisciplinary teams and I consider athletics in itself an interdisciplinary team. How have you learned to communicate as a team, as a dietitian, underneath the head coach, working with the strength coach, how have you learned to work in that group? And what is something that you would advise a new RD coming in about that, which can be a stressful situation, talking to head coaches and
1: absolutely being a
0: one voice in a big group. So <laughs> what's your experience? And then what would you advise other people?
1: Yeah. So um, again, kind of going back on that clinical experience, when I was uh, on the transplant team, we did rounds every day. And so I was constantly in contact with the doctors, the social workers, the nurses, stuff like that. So I kind of took that communication that I was already doing and brought it with me to Virginia Tech when I started working in sports. Um, so I'm super fortunate. I Our sports med staff, our strength staff, everyone is so great um, and our offices are pretty close by. So we have a lot of great communication. We do performance teams meetings. Um, I have, you know, a bunch of text chains with it's me and the strength coach and the athletic trainer, you know, just three of us in a text chat. We can message each other, you know, anything that's going on if someone's injured or, you know, we just are concerned about an athlete. So that's a super easy way for us to communicate. Um, definitely texting frequently, emailing, staying on top of each other, making sure that we're constantly you know, making sure that we're on the same team, I guess uh, I would say, because obviously you can, if the athlete hears one thing from the strength coach, and hears the opposite thing from you, you don't want that, you know, that's kind of hearing the conflicting information can be confusing and frustrating for the athletes, you want to be getting them the same message from everyone. Um, We ultimately, you know, all have the same goal, which is that the athlete is healthy and performs well. So, you know, it's helpful that we understand that we're the same goal on the same page I think just communicate 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 as much you can you know it's better to over communicate than to under communicate um, so like I said the office being close really is helpful for me because we are constantly kind of seeing each other um, in terms of advice I would say just making sure that you are present So especially when you're starting out at a new position, show your face, you know, don't hide behind emails or text messages or phone calls. Obviously, that stuff is great. And once you build relationships, those are great ways to communicate. But in the beginning, when you're just starting out, they want to know who you are. They want to see that you actually care. You know, you can send all the emails that you want, but you show them that you care and that you are there for the athletes. When you show up to practice, when you show up to lift, when you're at the games, you know, really just make sure that you're present and you're there and just, you know, keeping you in there, encourages them to keep you in the loop when you're doing that kind of stuff.
0: That's great. So, gonna throw a controversial, maybe controversial topic out too. (laughs) So, in our scope of practice for strength coaches, we learn nutrition. And there are a lot of. There's performance nutrition. There's uh, I believe it's ISSA. Um, there's all these nutrition certifications. Is there a happy ground between strength coaches that have these certifications that know basic and working with the dietitian? Because like you said, you don't want that conflicting. Do you think there's a happy ground? And what can young coaches do that may have this certification do to work with you?
1: I think that there can be. Um, Here, averaging a tech, I wouldn't say that too many strength coaches have a ton of nutrition background. Obviously, you know, they all know the basics and know, you know, deficiencies and stuff like that, those kinds of topics that we work together on. But I would say for the most part, they kind of defer any sort of nutrition questions to the dietitian. Um, I find that it is a lot more at like the smaller schools where they maybe don't have a dietitian that having that nutrition background along with strength can be really helpful because then, you know, maybe they don't have a dietitian, but they have a strength coach who has this nutrition certification. So those types of opportunities are definitely great. Um, But at like the power five schools where you do have both dietitians and strength coaches, I think for a strength coach to just kind of know Okay, I was hired as a strength coach. I was not hired as a dietitian. And obviously, if an athlete comes to you with, you know, a question about supplements or something, maybe they don't feel comfortable talking to the dietitian. Just encouraging them to reach out to the dietitian because even though you have that knowledge, it's not technically, you know, always going to be in your scope of practice. It's not in your job description. Um, we actually do have one strength coach who is also a dietitian, and she works with one of my teams or two of my teams. Um, and she still refers people to me, you know, she kind of takes that step back, even though she has her RD and she says, go talk to Mackenzie." you know, you need to go talk to Mackenzie about this. So that's I great. really appreciate that coming from her. I think that that is like a sign of respect in my mind, just because like, she's respecting that, you know, that is my job and that is my role. And that's what
0: I was hired for. Mm-hmm. And like you said too, creating that happy ground makes it easier for the athlete. You can easily work together, but if there's conflicting information, then your athlete's going to be the one that suffers. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance grad school and work? Like you said, 14 hour days, it's about what I'm going to do tomorrow. So I feel you (laughs) right there, but so school and work, being able to do both and succeed at both. How have you been able to do that?
1: Well, it's, not easy. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Um, I am the type of person who loves being busy though. So I kind of like thrive on this stuff. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) I like having things to do. Um, what I try to do is set aside times in the day to do schoolwork. You know, we have a Google calendar, um, that we all share with each other. So like I can look at my calendar and see what all the other dietitians are doing. And they can look and see what I'm doing. And uh, my boss is great at saying, oh, you know, Mackenzie has that she's working on her research project at this time. I'm not going to bother her. Or even if I were to put in there, you know, Mackenzie's working out during this time, you know, I'm not going to bother her.
0: (laughs) That is the Um, most important time during the day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So just kind of recognizing when you do maybe have those breaks and those lapses and just fitting things in where you can, you're not going to be able to sit there and write an entire 10 page paper in one day like you maybe used to do. Undergrad,
0: you
1: know, balance gradual along with work. You kind of have to just fill in those gaps and get work done whenever you can. Um, So I think just definitely planning out, planning ahead my schedule every week. And some nights I do just, you know, come home and then I just sit and I do all my work and maybe don't get the most amount of sleep, but um, it's temporary. And I know that it's getting me to where I want to be. And it's making me, you know, a smarter, stronger person for it. So, kind of just pushing through as best I can.
0: <laughs> great job. Well, sounds like you're doing great so far. So do <laughs> you have a year or this this year left. Is that? The grad so program? I
1: will be done um, after next year's first summer session. Okay. So since I didn't start until I didn't start taking classes until last fall, even though I okay. got here like toward the end of summer. So I'll be done after summer one.
0: Okay. So you have grad school, you have athletics. Have you been able to create a work life balance? And how have you been able to do that? I
1: have. So um, like I said, my boss is great about like, if we put stuff in our calendar, she tries, you know, to let us do our own thing. We all are very close. So we have a team of um, five dietitians. It's or six, actually. So three full time dietitians, two GAs, and then one consultant dietitian. Um, and so we're all, you know, pretty close in age, we're good friends. So we do stuff together when we can, you know, we'll maybe take that 30, 45 minute break that we have during the middle of the day, and we'll go work out in the football weight room, or we'll go take a walk or go do yoga, you know, we try to kind of take those breaks together, which is super helpful. And then I do, for the most part, try to leave like either Friday or Saturday night as like my fun thing, you know? So I have made a lot of great friends here just um, within the athletic department that, you know, I'm able to do stuff with them. And again, just planning ahead as much as you can, trying to get things done to leave a little bit of time for fun. Um, But I feel like I do, you know, have as good a work-life balance as I can. Um, I think the fact that my closest friends here all work in athletics as well is really helpful because they get it. You know, mm-hmm. I, my friend texted me earlier and said, Hey, I want to go to the driving range tonight. Like, do you want to come? And I was like, Ooh, I have baseball dinner until six 30 and then I'm supposed to be on a podcast. So <laughs> now I can't do it. Um, so sometimes it's hard and, you know, football camp, I have, didn't see any of my friends for two weeks straight, but it's, you know, it's, it kind of comes ebbs and flows. I would say definitely there's busier times of year. So I'm, and when you enjoy what you do, the work-life balance, you know, obviously it's important, but you, you don't feel like you're missing out as much when you're really enjoying your work day to day. I feel like.
0: You can enjoy what you do because you wake up excited to go to work every day, but then mm-hmm. at the same time, you know how to step back and just take time for yourself.
1: Exactly, and like I know, like last night, yesterday was the first day of classes. I got home. I probably should have started doing some homework, but the Flyers were on TV. So what did I do? <laughs> Watch the Flyers game, and that was important for my mental health, which is exactly
0: <laughs> exactly. So when you're not, you've got so much going on. But when you're not in school, when you're not at work, you also have a social media presence. Mm-hmm tell our listeners about your foodie Instagram and just because social media is a big part of everything. How do you promote yourself through that page?
1: So I honestly am not great at doing my own social media page because not only do I have my, you know, my personal Instagram, I have then have my foodie Instagram. I then have the hokey fuel Instagram I also do a little bit of social media for um, Radford and then also for scan. So (laughs) I have like six different Instagram accounts. When you open up my page, it's a little stressful. Um, But I, what I do is on my personal um, foodie account, it's peanut butter and cans. So on there, I am mostly just posting recipes of things that I've made. Um, And then I will kind of repost like some, you know, if I, read like a good quote or some a cool picture or some stuff from hokey fuel some stuff from tech. Um, so I repost some of that stuff, but it's mostly my page is just recipes and things like that. So I try to encourage the athletes to follow me because gives them ideas of things that they can cook and shows them, you know, wow, that looks really good and it's also going to be good for me. Um so I think it's a great way for me to kind of encourage athletes to try some different things and it's also just like my creative outlet. I love to cook, I love to bake. Um so it's fun for me. It definitely does come naturally, you know, of I get to make this meal and then it looks great, I'm going to post it. I get to kind of show it off. I get proud of certain meals when they when they look really good. The food um, so looks definitely- delicious
0: too. So <laughs> Y'all should go check it out. I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely so. post it in the episode notes. So perfect if people are hungry, <laughs> yeah. don't look at our page because you're going to yeah. want to go don't to the grocery me. store and eat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Don't look at it hungry. But yeah, I mean, I, that that part's definitely fun for me to do that stuff. And um, during quarantine, we actually started doing what I coined hungry, hungry Hokies" videos. Yeah. Nice. So, um, it's basically just me or one of the other dietitians videoing ourselves cooking things in the kitchen, and we post them on the hooky fuel story. Um, so sometimes I'll repost them on peanut butter and Ken's too. I actually made one for tonight, so I'm going to post in that
0: later. <laughs> nice. Our job is a big presence on social media. Absolutely. And so piggybacking off what you said, it can be easy. It can go with what you're doing. Like you said, you can display your meals, make it a creative outlet, but at the same time, your other accounts, like there's a lot more work you got to put into it. So staying on top of stuff like that.
1: It is. And I mean, kids are always on their phones. So they scroll through and they see, you know, a picture of something I made that looks really good. And they're like, wow, you know, I want to try that. It's those little things that are just helpful.
0: Perfect. So Jumping back to interviewing for positions, do you have any tips for interviews going into an interview? Like you're going to finish your GA soon, apply for a job. Has there been any tips that you've gotten or that you've used to help in interviews?
1: So I am a big talker. I love to talk. So interviewing, I am fortunate enough, has come pretty naturally to me. I feel like I interview pretty well. So I am so grateful that I have that skill. Um, but I still get nervous like everyone else does. Um, I actually have, this is kind of embarrassing, but before any interview that I've, for every job that I've gotten or applied for, what I do is I listen to this like YouTube clip of
0: inspirational sports speeches
1: and it well, motivates me.
0: Is it the one with all the different, um...
1: It mashes together like Miracle, Friday Night Lights, Coach Carter. DSAB played that for Uh, us
0: before the state championship game.
1: She might have not that for me because I've been listening to it since high school.
0: I listened to it. So even track meets, like state championship track meets, every time before I would throw, before they'd say no electronics, that was the last thing that went through my head.
1: Yep. So it's like a 40 second, 60 second little clip. Um, But I used to listen to it before big volleyball games and I would listen to it before big tests. And then once I graduated, I started listening to it before interviews. And you know what? It gets me in the mindset of like, I can do this. I'm great. I'm awesome. Like, I'm going to go out there and kill it. (laughs) So I always listen to that before interviews. I think definitely have something that's kind of your, your vice, your thing, you know, that might not be for everyone. I personally, it, like I said, puts me in a great mindset. I love listening to it, but for you, you know, maybe it's someone you meditate before, maybe you call your best friend and she hypes you up, you know? Um, So whatever kind of is your thing, I think just have like some sort of routine. Um, Also, I think just making sure that you do practice, like obviously you don't want to go into an interview and be completely blindsided by a question But there is such a thing as over-practicing too. So if you go in and you sound like robotic or like you're trying to read back, you know, exactly what you had typed up or written up as your answers, you know, no one wants that either. You're a person, you know, they want to see your personality come through.
0: Exactly. Be prepared, but be yourself. Stay true to yourself. That's great advice. So your GA position's not exactly over yet, but you're a year in looking back at last year. Is there something that you've learned from that you will do differently this year or something that you've learned and you want to grow on?
1: I think that one of the things that I've learned, one of the biggest lessons is that you can't please everyone, um, which is really, really hard for me. So I am a people pleaser. When I started out my dietetic internship, they had us all take these quizzes that told you your you know, top five strengths. My number one strength was woo, which stands for winning others over. I don't like to not be liked. I don't like to not make people happy. You know, I hate when people don't like me. I have a hard time saying no. I always want to make everyone happy, but I know that that is literally impossible. You know, you're not always going to please everyone, whether that be with which teams you're spending most of your time with or what meal you order, you know, there's, it it kind of goes on all ends of the spectrum here, but just knowing that, you know, you're not going to be perfect 100% of the time, you're not always everything's not always going to go exactly to plan. And you just kind of have to be prepared and and accept that. And I think knowing that and getting yourself in that mindset as soon as you can, is going to be really helpful.
0: That is perfect. I, I'm the same way. So I definitely (laughs) took from that what you said, as well. (laughs) definitely will have to take some of that advice. So When you finish your GA position and move on, what is one piece of advice for the person that will read as they sit at your desk the next day?
1: I think kind of coming off of that, my last answer, you can't please everyone. You can't do everything. And that is okay. Um, Especially as a GA, you know, we have our own teams. We have classes. We have a research project that we have to do. And it can be a lot. And I think just knowing your limits and setting boundaries wherever you can. So, you know, I had a coach ask me if I can make a smoothie every single day. The answer is no. You know, that's not that's not something that I can can do. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. set aside that time. You know, it's, it's hard. Obviously, I want to help athletes in any way that I can, um, but you definitely have to know your boundaries. And I think kind of going into it with that mindset again of, you know, this is what I can do. This is what I can offer you. This is my job. This is what I'm here for you to do. But sometimes you do have to say no. Sometimes you do have to say, I can't do this, or I'm not going to be able to fit that in, or I need you to do this for me. Um, So I think that's definitely important. and something that I would, would want the next GA to know.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. Cause I think that's what a lot of, especially stepping out of undergrad, and you had this big opportunity. A lot of coaches are like, oh, i got to do everything. i got to put mm-hmm. everything I know, everything I can do into this time. And then you realize you get worn out. And mm-hmm. you're like, I'm young. And I yes. should – I am so Burnout tired. is real. And Burnout. you got to find that balance of pleasing but also knowing your limits. Exactly. That's perfect. So I like to end with some fun questions. So what's your favorite sport to watch and what's your favorite sport to play? So, you know, I love to watch sports,
1: but it depends if it's collegiate or professional. So professional, I would say hockey, big hockey girl, um, but I also do the football. And then collegiate, I would have to say basketball. I love college basketball. I love going to the games. Um, Women's basketball is one of my teams, so I love watching them play. Um, My favorite to play is volleyball, of course. Still after all these years. (laughs)
0: Okay, so if you could choose any movie title for the story of your life, what would it be and who would play you?
1: Honestly, the first title that comes to mind to describe my life is just go with it.
0: That I
1: <laughs> So, uh,
0: I am always
1: the optimistic, everything happens for a reason, go with the flow kind of person, so that totally fits my life. It's my personality 100%. Um, and then as for who would play me, that is very easy everyone says that I look just like Manny Moore so I'd
0: have to pick her
1: but I will say basketball team says I look like Dakota Johnson so I don't know maybe one of those two. (laughs) okay
0: okay so if you were a teacher in school what subject would you like to teach and why
1: the easy answer would obviously be nutrition but that's not fun so I'm gonna say something else (laughs) Um, philosophy And I think it's because of the high school philosophy teacher I had. He just made class so interesting. And I love like thinking outside of the box and like understanding the deeper meaning of things. So I think that that would be a cool subject to teach. I don't know.
0: Nice. Unfortunately, I never took that class. You guys would always come back and have these like deep conversations. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, what are you guys talking about? (laughs) (laughs)
1: which I love like I love Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so I think that that would be be fun for me in another life
0: maybe (laughs) that's perfect Um, okay so is there a book or a podcast a clinic conference whatever you can think of that has played a big role in equipping you professionally or personally to be successful
1: so you are a badass that book Mm. is like it's like a self help how to stop doubting yourself identifying like your self-sabotaging behaviors getting in like a mindset to be successful um, fitting for any career obviously it's not like specific <laughs> um, so personally I would say that that book really definitely helped me um, just kind of get in the right mindset and you know get into that realization that like if I'm constantly expecting bad things to happen or expecting to get rejected, you know, that's, what's going to come to me if I'm going out there and, you know, putting out into the universe, like this is what's going to happen. This is what I deserve. I am going to accomplish these things. Um, Having that sort of mindset has definitely helped me. I feel like just kind of get to where I am. And then conferences obviously are super great. Um, It's a really good way to network and also learn, I was really excited to go to CPSCA this year, but then COVID happened. So unfortunately I didn't get to go, um, but I am excited to hopefully go next year if it happens in person. Um, I think that that will definitely help kind of equip me for my future. Um, I think it's anytime that you have an opportunity to go to a conference, you should take it because like I said, you know, not only is it a learning experience, but it's a great way for you to meet other people in your field. And, you know, those connections that you have can can get you places later in life, can get you jobs and opportunities. So it's important to make any connections that you can.
0: Absolutely. That is definitely something that needs to be emphasized because I actually got one of my internships from attending a conference. So definitely something that needs to be emphasized. Um, One thing, a lot of young professionals, they get nervous about going to conferences, which myself too, I've gone to a couple by myself and just been like the little awkward <laughs> 21-year-old walking around. Yeah,
1: it's, it can be intimidating. It for can.
0: Sure. can. So you kind of just have to like get out of your comfort zone. Like everyone's there for a reason. Everyone's oh, there for, for the same reason pretty much. Mm-hmm. And by getting out of your comfort zone, you're going to meet new people and build a network and who knows what doors are going to open. So
1: Absolutely. I feel like you can't be shy if you want to work in athletics because you have to just constantly be able to talk to people and, build those relationships.
0: Yep. Exactly. So last question, if you could share a meal with two people living or deceased, who would they be?
1: So this is so hard. (laughs) I know. Ironically enough, my sister was on a podcast like a week or two ago and she texted me and she goes, quick, I'm about to be on a podcast in 10 minutes. If I could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know your life. <laughs> um, interesting question, but, but it is yeah. No, fun. It's, it's hard. Um, so, one of them would have to be Carter Hart. I, again, big hockey girl, big Flyers <laughs> fan. So, he's so young, he's so great. I would just love to like pick his brain and to like know like how he is the way he is, and you know how he's able to be so successful at such a young age. I would love to talk to him. Um, and then another person, I honestly would say Chris Long. and I don't know that probably sounds kind of random, but he was on the Eagles when we won the Super Bowl. I you know, follow him on Twitter and everything. I think he's so funny. He like has his podcasts and stuff like that. He's pretty vocal and seems like he would just be like a really interesting guy to talk to. And I actually dressed up as him last year for Halloween, so that would be a funny story for us to talk about.
0: <laughs> so Chris, you're listening follow mackenzie because she dressed up like you for halloween so best friends right there everyone got a
1: real kick out of it
0: (laughs) oh perfect
1: especially because he went to uva so everyone kind of gave me a little shit but
0: oh yeah the uva virginia tech (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Mm. i can see
0: that there (laughs) (laughs) so how can people reach you like on social media what how can people get a hold of you
1: yeah, so um, easiest way to get a hold of me probably would be through social media, through my um, Peanut Butter and Ken's Instagram account. I
0: I'll put it you. in the uh, episode notes so that Perfect. people can contact yeah. you. So. Yeah, happy to answer any sort of questions.
1: Obviously, you know, I'm still learning, still experiencing, but I've had a lot of experiences, so I'm happy to share, or answer any questions anybody might have.
0: Perfect. Well, Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining me today. It was great talking to you and having you on the show. I wish you the best of luck finishing your GA. And thank thank you you so much. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Equipped Performance Professionals. Make sure to visit www.ashleymuschiati.com and subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are released. You can also follow me on Twitter at at coach underscore Ashley M for all podcast updates.